going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the paper street post this is the paper street music company band podcast where uh we get to hang out share some music with you guys uh talk a little bit about the behind the scenes here at paper street music company headquarters Uh, if you've been listening along this is episode number four i do apologize for the delay uh, between this one and our last one we have been uh, hard at work um watching netflix and playing an occasional show but uh we're here for our fourth episode and if you've been listening along uh probably by process of elimination you can guess who my next co-host is it's our bassist our guitarist our uh you know occasional vocalist occasional vocalist yeah uh dave schaefer uh my good friend uh super happy that he is the final member to be on the podcast dave what's going on man not much man how you doing today I'm pretty good. I mean, Excellent. it's a it's a hot late October day. <laughs> I don't understand it, but <laughs> it it stays steamy down here. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's steamy for a long time for sure. Um yeah, super stoked uh that you're here on the podcast. Um happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. So that opening song, uh I hope some of you guys out there recognize it. That of course is Rust Belt Lines. That is uh your song. You know, of the seven that we have recorded, I'd say that that is, that's a Dave song for sure. I mean, you're singing vocals on it. Uh, it's kind of a Dave song. Yeah, you wrote it. So um, I guess it's pretty obvious why you picked it, but just tell me why, why do you like that song so much? Well, that song for me uh, was kind of my first foray into writing about something that was relatively personal while also having some cultural re- uh, relevance. Um, so it, it was, it was kind of, it was almost a gamble to see what I could really do as far as songwriting goes. Um, and I t- took some relatively serious topics and just kind of talked about, uh, where we come from and the political climate that we're currently in and, uh, just things of that nature. I mean, it's, it's a little more serious than most of our songs are. Um, so it was kind of, kind of a dare to the rest of the band to, to be able to play that. Yeah, for sure. It's, um. Well, I I just love it musically. Uh, that's where where I start first. Yeah. But definitely has some charged lyrics in it. When when did you write it? Um. Well, you mentioned the musical part. Uh, that's actually more recent than than it was originally intended. Originally, that song was was a little bit slower. Um, it didn't have quite so much drive. It didn't have that kind of folksy feel to it. Yeah. Um, I wrote that song really at this point, probably about two years ago. Um, in one way, shape, or form, um, and had some input from another friend of ours, Aaron, who was in the band uh, for a moment in time. Um, And it just kind of went from there. We kind of tweaked some lyrics, and one day I was just kind of playing around with some different ideas, and I figured out that the the chords really went well with that kind of chugging along CCR folk kind of vibe. So, yeah. yeah. For me... CCR, that that's a good reference for me. It sounds like a like Nebraska Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I'm. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> I really like it. I think the, of of the seven we have recorded, that that one has we, all five of us have a clear part. Yeah, in it, we're not just like riffing on chords or, or jamming. Like we all have 
thought about what we're going to play and when and it's really well layered um so what what did it sound like i mean i mean you touched on a little bit but what is the current recording exactly what you thought it would be when you first wrote it when i first wrote it no um originally it was a little slower um a little more open kind of more more along lines of like a ballad um which it, it played well if you were going to sit down and listen and uh, calculate all the lyrics out every time you listen to a line. But ultimately, musically, it, it really didn't connect. Like It, it didn't really draw you in. Um, it was really reliant on the lyrics hitting somewhere close to home. Uh, but in the end, when we did kind of happen upon the way it is now, it, it really it really came to life. It really kind of walked on its own two legs and you didn't really have to push it. You didn't have to, you just didn't have to force anything. And like you said, like everyone sure. kind of has their like their own clear part in that. And I feel like that's, it, it's, it sounds very calculated and to an extent it is, but simultaneously it's really just, it, it, it is exactly what it was meant to be yeah. without anyone really intending that. So, um, a lot of the lyrics have to do with, uh, where the area that we're all from specifically the area you're from in, in the Youngstown area yeah. kind of north east of northeast Ohio really <laughs> um, but how can you know we, we're in Nashville now obviously how can our listeners down here relate to that song even though it's about the Rust Belt right well I, I think the unique part about Youngstown is it's it's a place that had a lot of industry for a very long time and the reason that city exists is because of that industry, uh, and I think you can see you can see parts of that anywhere you go in the country um, or anywhere in the world, really. Um, and it's just, it's really about that that industry kind of with the globalization and and you know politics and large companies being able to make a profit if they ex you know uh, have their companies elsewhere. It, it, it impacts everybody, and that's sure. why it became the Rust Belt. It used to be the Steel Valley, you know. Right. Um, so it, it's it's about Northeast Ohio, but it doesn't necessarily mean those ideas and what those ideas stand for are exclusive to that area. Um, because you can see that all the time, yeah. you know, whether it be uh, car manufacturing or anything else down here. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> funny story. I remember when we were recording it. And you were doing vocals at the at the end. <laughs> do, do you remember trying to get the the last part? Yeah, I mean, we were we were <laughs> we're in the studio. I, I had made a conscious conscious decision to to sing the vocals a little more clear, so on the record you could really understand what I was saying, and it didn't have to be like uh, it didn't really have to be the Bruce Springsteen yeah. like from the from the chest. You know, uh, if you see us live, you know what I mean, because I, I'm much more throaty when I sing it. But I, we got to the end and I thought, like, you know, I really needed to drive this home some way. And uh, Billy, the engineer, had mentioned that. And you guys were like, yeah, you should try that. And when you said it, it didn't it didn't land that, that, that you meant something impactful. The, the first thing I went to for some reason was that I need to, like, show my inner Bon Jovi or David Lee Roth. And it was... It was the worst attempt. <laughs> the Dude, I think worst. you you held that note for so like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If only we had that on tape somewhere. Yeah.
Yes, somewhere there. You know, if we're famous, they're gonna find uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. that track. <laughs> right. That'll, that'll make its way on YouTube at some point. <laughs> All of the serious talk that we're having right now is gonna be thrown out the window. At yeah. That point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I, I I'm really happy with the way that that track turned out for, yeah. from those sessions for sure. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> probably a good call to take that scream out of the end yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's pivot a little bit um so you play bass and guitar uh yeah. in in the band and i heard that you really have been only playing the bass for like two or three years now at this point or well man uh I, i've been playing bass as a serious endeavor since i moved down here in 2011 so i guess okay. at this point it's been been five years almost wow um, but yeah, um, I played tuba in high school. Okay. Just in case anyone thought I was really cool, they, <laughs> they know for a fact I'm not now. Um, but there was something like I always gravitated towards as far as bass goes, um, like like the bass line. Um, <laughs> it kind of goes back to 1996 and my sister's uh gold Saturn. Where she'd crank the bass up so high that yeah. it would like yeah. make the speakers pop real loud, and I knew it wasn't supposed to do that, but it just sounded so cool for some reason. It shook the whole car and rattled the speakers. Um, but ever since then, I, I've just been really focusing on bass lines. And then we moved down here, and for some reason, and I I, I can't really explain it. Maybe it's because I, I played tuba and low brass and things of that nature. But picking up the bass just felt natural for some reason. So many people that I respect played bass. Paul McCartney. Um, John Atwistle, John Paul Jones, like they, there's just something about how they play. They play it like it's a guitar almost, but it still has, it holds down that bottom. It still has For melody. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I don't know. No, definitely. I mean, you just named some of the greatest <laughs> bass players ever. Right. Uh, particularly John Paul Jones for me. I think he, the way he plays melodies on the bass, yeah, man. it's crazy. Yeah. He was a Crawford musician. He played keyboard a lot too. Oh, for sure. Oh, incredible. Good arranger too. Yeah. yeah he did a lot of arrangements. Arrangement is awesome. Um, so you were pretty much like a a uh, well-formed musician at, by the time you picked up the bass. So how, who did you turn to? Um, like what what were you listening to 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 learn that instrument? Right. Um, well. Um, I play, I've been playing guitar for a long time, and um, unlike most people, I didn't discover Pink Floyd and how I really enjoy their music until I was, like, 22. Sure. <laughs> uh, way too late. <laughs> um, uh, but um, Might be for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh, we moved on to Nashville, and I had really been trying to hone my skill to, like, really get that, that David Gilmore tone down, and even my guitar has a lot of tweaks to it to emulate some of his guitars, and... Um, and when we moved down, I really found myself drawn to, uh, Roger Waters, uh, this, the, okay. the, way, the way he approached the bass, because especially like in the wall, dark side of the moon, like it, it, it definitely is your, your stereotypical bass part, Yeah. but there are a lot of parts woven into what they're doing that aren't They're They're, they're more percussive or they have a different vibe going on. Um, and I kind of drew from that a little bit, trying to make sure, like, I was working with the drums as much as possible. I had this dream of being, like, the ideal, like, 60s rhythm section. Dude, yeah. <laughs> um, um, like, James Jamerson and all those guys. Like, the way they, they fit the bass line in with the drums and how the, how the bass drum worked really kind of drove 
home how important that section could be. Yeah. And it, it allowed me to be able to appreciate those parts knowing that I was taking a back seat because I'm not on the guitar anymore. Um, so for, for a minute, I was like, oh, man, you know, I really want to be playing guitar. But then I started picking up the bass and listening to all these great players and then playing with, like, especially you, Bob, uh, the way we play together on bass and drums, like that when you get those things matched up and working right, that rhythm section is way more important than anyone else in the band. Yeah. Um, a, a good rhythm section can carry a band to fame. So I'm not saying, not implying that that's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's, to me, the foundation of any good band is just the rhythm section. Yeah. So um, I should give a shout out to the BB King All-Stars downtown. It was the first band we saw here in Nashville. Oh, they're sweet. Uh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. Um, the bass player, he he has to be in his 70s. Um, and he plays so delicately, but with so much power. Yeah. Like, he's so dead on every time. And seeing something like that, it just inspires you. Like, you can't oh, not sure. want to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned the, the 60s R&B funk uh, yeah. bands. Because, you know, when I, when I first started playing drums, it was like, Oh, I got to play like Travis Barker or (laughs) Taylor Hawkins. And and so I tried to play fast and loud and aggressive and and do fills all over the place. Um, Fun. Yeah. It was just super sweet. And I I got a lot of skill out of that for sure. But then um, I went to see a band and I was talking to one of my friend and his friend, uh, this friend of mine, his brother was playing bass in the band and we were talking to him afterwards. I don't think he was even saying, this stuff to me but he was talking about how tight james brown's band was his oh, back yeah. he's like they're the tightest <laughs> band ever they had i was be. like what are you talking about <laughs> like i don't know i mean i was 16 or 17 at the time so i really didn't know what he was talking about but then i went home and listened to it and i was like oh yeah <laughs> like this is what a rhythm section needs to be like right and you're so, absolutely right man. so when when i play with a bass player like you who who gets that and we, we can lock in and figure out that, that pocket yeah. and, and figure out when when we're supposed to be in sync and when we're supposed to play off each other, man. It's a, it's a great feeling. <laughs> it, is, it, it totally is. Yeah. And the funny thing about James Brown, um, for those of you who haven't listened to James Brown, one of the Rockies been under, but um, his band was insanely tight like you're talking about. And that was way before any sort of mass editing um sure. digitally and that was yeah. before auto-tune and making sure you can lock in beat one every time way before that so everything they did was spot on yeah um and they had to be because james brown would fire him on the spot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he fired people on stage i mean yeah. like, and find him right yeah <laughs> man it, their it, insane um and i mean james brown uh that band that gave birth to bootsy collins oh yeah uh so i mean talk about funky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure all right, well, let, let's go further back in your musical history. So uh, before you picked up the bass, you're right. a guitar player, and you still are. You're, you're a killer guitar player for the band. Um, what what was the inspiration to pick up the guitar? Okay, so let's flash back to eighth grade, okay. Dave, right? Okay. Uh, playing in band, playing tuba, not really winning any points with the ladies. <laughs> okay. Um, we had to do a report in eighth grade on something we didn't know anything about, and Somehow I conned my parents into buying me a guitar because I knew nothing about the guitar. Um, clever on my part. I don't know what they were thinking in in hindsight. So you you were like, "Hey, mom and dad, I have a paper to do. Buy me a guitar." <laughs> yep, that's pretty much exactly how it went down. And my mom, 
I remember she was like, we're not, we're not buying you a guitar for a report. And I said, no, I really, I really want to play. Um, and at this time, like I'm listening to, you know, I have, I have four older siblings. So, uh, I'm listening to ACDC and Kiss, sure. um, haven't really discovered Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, it's mostly just tons of eighties hair metal. Uh, and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. So <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I did when I, uh, when I finally got the guitar, we, we bought this cheap, I think it was like 80 bucks at the local, at one of the local music stores. Um, acoustic guitar. Nope. It was a, a red electric guitar that Sweet. eventually I tore apart, which is a whole other story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was my first guitar. And ever since then I started like, like started off learning acdc most likely or maybe black sabbath something along those lines um and then just kind of it's funny yeah <laughs> the the first song i ever tried to play on drums i was at my friend's house he had just bought a bass right one of my best friends and we would go on to play in a band together and he just started playing the iron man riff yeah. riff on his bass yeah. and so that was the first song i played on the drums and then you mentioned acdc that was the first <laughs> cd back in black it was the first cd i ever bought really <laughs> so, yeah that's awesome that's funny it was great so you pick up you you buy the guitar right then yeah. you you take lessons does it yeah. hit the ground running yeah so, so the story bought this this guitar at um it was run by this one old man who had he he's smelled I just found out that he smelled like this but he smelled like patchouli I just found <laughs> out what that smell actually smells like and I put a name on it but he always smelled like patchouli the whole store when you walked in smelled like patchouli but it had this vibe like everything in the store had been there for like fifty years sure. Um, there's like dust hanging in there. Dust, everything. He has one instrument that he, that all all of them for sale, but there's one in, the one of every one of those instruments that have clearly been played on, and he he basically because it wasn't such a big store he would practice on all those instruments. Like he'd have lessons he'd give to piano, yeah. but like the one piano in the window is the one they would give lessons on. So, um, took lessons with him for a little while, and obviously just telling you like ACDC, I was aspiring to play for. Um, but he was teaching me stuff like, uh, uh, like Yankee doodle and stuff okay. like that. And like <laughs> yeah. walking you through like basically the greatest hits of the last 150 years. And I, 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 I had too much going on in my head to be able to concentrate on, well, this is, this note is C and this note is sure. G and I got really, really bored of that very, very quickly. Um, so that was a whole thing in so itself. Can you, can you read music? I can read. I can oh, you read, play tuba. I play so, tuba. Okay. So I can read. I can read bass clef. Yeah. Um, and I can fake my way through treble clef to an extent. Yeah. Chords, I, I are beyond me. <laughs> um, like reading chord notation. Reading chord notation gotcha. is insanely difficult. Um, and obviously, being the age we are and the advent of the internet, um, tabs. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's that's where that's where most of everything I learned came from, or I just ended up learning it by ear. Sure. Um, and just kind of hammering over the same Steve Ray Vaughn licks over and over again. Until I Steve Ray Vaughn. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, I went, basically, I went from ACDC and White Snake to Steve Ray Vaughn. And that was when I actually started to, like, feel out the guitar and how I wanted to actually play and sure. find my sound and stuff like that. So. Really cool. Yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I would say that you're, uh, of the five of us, the, the biggest gearhead. Oh yeah. Group. yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> when did you discover that love of like gutting an instrument or, or making <laughs> yeah. making an instrument? I, yeah. Um so my my parents um 
always did some sort of woodworking, whether it be crafting or uh, help my dad build a house and just stuff like that. Uh, I bought a guitar after my first one for $50 out of someone's basement. And it didn't always sound right, and things didn't quite work on it. Um, and I, I, I fell out of love with it very, very quickly. Sure. Um, so then I started tearing it down, trying to figure out like exactly like what is it made of, and what do you do this? And I had all these intentions of basically copying that exact same guitar and making it a new one. Um, and that's basically what started. I was using that guitar that was $50 out of the garage to make a new guitar exactly the same way, but better. So, like from scratch, like you. Yes. So you went out and bought a slab of wood. Yes, Stumac online. Yep. Wow. Yeah. How old were you? Um, when when I ordered that slab of wood, I was probably fifteen. Okay. And this is two years after I started playing guitar. Um, flash forward ten years, I finished that guitar. <laughs> ten years. <laughs> uh, so yeah. How it, does it sound? Uh, it sounds. It's interesting. Um. It didn't work out exactly the way I envisioned because when you're 15, you don't really plan for things like ergonomics. Sure. So it it looks cool. Like um, how it feels. Right. It. Yeah. Like, like uh, for example, a lot of guitars have what they call like an arm cut or a belly cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just to make it more playable when you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, those those practices were completely... D- design. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they had nothing. Like I had no time for that. Um, so the guitar has none of that. Um, and I'm actually in the process of tearing it back down and, and doing that. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think ultimately, I think this is going to be like the third or fourth guitar that I've redone completely. Okay. So, yeah. Sweet. And but, you used to, used to work for Gibson. No, no. I never worked for a company. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, this is all self-taught for the most part. I did. Mixing some, somebody else I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. I'll take credit for that. Um, I No, I did when I was 16. Uh, I was an apprentice for like six weeks to a guy who worked on band instruments, tubas, clarinets, and stuff okay. like that. Cool. Tearing them all down, breaking the solder, recorking yeah. stuff, all, you know, all that kind of band equipment stuff. But That's cool. Uh, it wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a big vat of acid you dip stuff in. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, that's only appealing for so long. Yeah. So for sure yeah so yeah what what are you you're tearing that guitar out that guitar down what else are you working on right now okay so last year i finished um a speaker cabinet for a big 15 inch speaker um the year before that or earlier that year i completely stripped a telecaster and rebuilt that um this year currently i'm working on a stratocaster that broke on me like three or four years ago Okay. Now, I was going to make it a lamp originally, but then I found a way to salvage it. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so I got that going on. And then um, I'm also finishing a pedal board currently. Um, that It's made out of uh, walnut and some oak and stuff like that, and that's going to be pretty nice, I think. Cool. Yeah. Busy, busy. Yeah. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tried to restring a guitar one time, mm-hmm. and it snapped like I was tightening it up and the whole string snapped yep. and slapped me in the face. Oh. And I put I didn't play guitar for like two years after that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm done with this. It's, da- it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I I had a friend uh who played who played bass and the highest string on the bass he was tuning up and he was young so he probably tuned it way too far. But it snapped and went through his hand. Oh god. Um 
And he, he played he played bass, like, the next week. So, I mean, like, he wasn't shy, but after that, I probably would have second-guessed my life choices. Yeah, but I, I respect that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so we, I mean, we just played a show at Springwater yeah, last weekend. Yeah. And uh, announcement, we have one on the books for the November 19th, yeah? I believe it's the 19th, yeah. yeah. At Springwater again. Uh, how did you think the show went? I thought the last show we went there, what played there was excellent yeah. um we accidentally showed up an hour early um but it was totally in our benefit in the end yeah you can never get there too early <laughs> true true story yeah. um went great i thought we played very well especially you bob uh we, oh wow we, we played a played uh, a song we don't we haven't played in the past couple shows with a, a pretty wicked drum solo that i thought you nailed oh wow. Thank <laughs> uh, you. um but yeah man uh springwater voted a uh, best dive bar in 2011 really yeah yeah, the, the war is on the wall. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Among other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't been to Springwater in Nashville, Tennessee, you really should take the time to, to visit that place. It's quite interesting. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm i coming around to it. You know, the first time we went there, I was a little hesitant and scared oh, yeah. <laughs> of what, oh, yeah. what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still is a, a dive bar, for yeah, sure. Totally. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the staff there are super nice to us they are super nice like, to us i was really surprised about that and i appreciate yeah. that yeah a lot it, it, it's very strange you walk into some places especially especially down here um people just in case you're not in the south currently i've never been to the south when people say people are nicer in the south they really are yeah i think so anyway you know, a lot of hellos from people you don't know sure stuff you don't typically get in cleveland or youngstown um but yeah when you walk into that place it's you you are well aware that you're walking into a dive bar yeah uh, but then the staff they're really on their game like they, they kind of keep up with you most of the time and you know they, they, they may look a certain way but they're always great yeah so i think it's um they reciprocate niceness <laughs> like yeah like, i mean we're we're five really nice guys right. that are, are respectful so i think that they probably don't deal with that <laughs> true on a regular basis so right and i, I think we easy to yeah, I, I think we've definitely gone out of our way, not just at Springwater, but other places too, to make sure that um, we recognize that we're not the only ones that are working there that night. Right. Um, and we always make sure we know the sound guy's name, we know the door guy's name, and the bartender, so we can you know we can thank them personally um, while we're on stage, while we're off stage, just to make sure. sure they know that we appreciate what they're doing there. Um, my personal favorite is to thank the the door guy. Because typically, he's the guy that's taking all the guff for the evening. Yeah. Uh, and he's not getting any thank yous ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Very I like true. to, you know, for all, for all of you, you bouncers out there, we appreciate you. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, November 19th at Springwater. Hopefully, we'll have a new song or two. We yeah. got some stuff working. Uh, really excited about what we worked on today. I thought yeah, it was- man. Yeah, we. I think we've been hitting on all cylinders lately. I think we're. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll have some uh, exciting things to share with everybody out there listening. Um, well, Dave, man, it's been fun. It has talking. been. It has uh, been fun. Our time has flown by. Uh, we will certainly get you back on to the Paper Street Post as soon as we can. Um, you know, who knows what we're gonna do next? We have to brainstorm some I don't know. some ideas because. I can't bring you guys back on. I know. That's just lame. We can't come back. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, we'll interview the neighbors of Tim's house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to see see how they think we're doing. Yeah, we'll find we'll find out something. But 
Rest I, assured. Yeah, I, I feel like I rambled a lot in this this whole thing. No, you're you're good, man. Okay, well, you know, before before we're done here, though, I, Bob, I know you're you're a fan of sports. Oh yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which you know you should know by now, Indians World Series. Dude, I can't believe it. <laughs> Bob, what are, what are your predictions going into tonight's game? I think this is what game. This is game five. Yeah, this will be game five. So it's, yeah. Uh, you know this podcast might be a little dated when it, when it gets up, but oh, yeah. Cleveland is three up three one right now. Oh, so so tough. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're gonna do it. I, I think it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure if they'll be able to pull it out tonight with Trevor Bauer pitching. But, true. True. Um, they um, got three shots at it. He wasn't looking his best last game. No. Um. But I think I think if he gets if he gets on it, I think I think he'd be good. Yeah, uh, and I I think the Cubs are a little deflated at this point. So yeah, they I mean they're at Wrigley Field. They should really have like a lot of gumption on their side. And last night they were looking a little defeated. So yeah. you're right. But oh, super stoked, man. Let's go try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go, <laughs> go try. try for sure. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We're gonna uh, do a little outro with more Rust Belt lines. Um, 11 November 19th at Springwater. Please come check us out. Uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. This is our first episode that will be on iTunes. So please hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Reach out to us uh, any way possible if you if you have ideas for this podcast and questions you, know, you want to. Uh, to get answered with the band i will definitely try my best to, to accommodate you guys but again thanks for, for uh, listening to us dave thanks for hanging out with thank me you man. for this bit um and we will see you next time so, yeah